I am calling from a lovely frozen Montreal, Quebec, Canada, a place oh, that wow. a place that has always loved whatever you, whatever you've been associated with. Big big fans of Asia, big fans of yes, big fans of everything you've you've ever touched. So, well, yeah, well, we did an album up there. We did our second Asia album up there at the uh, at the now defunct Le Studio up in uh, Moran Heights. Mm, yeah, the, yeah, the, the studio is it was a great, great place, and well, when I mean it. It's such a shame. I mean, it's just a sort of uh, fallen into disrepair, hasn't it? And it's just kind of, uh, I don't know what they did with it in the end, it, it, but I saw some of the pictures of it and it was all dilapidated and overgrown and I don't know if it's still there, is it? It is. There is, in fact, a, a Save Le Studio association going on where they want to renovate it and and at least make it like a tourist attraction. But, I mean, you think about it. You had you guys. You had the police. You had Rush. You had all these people. And it just... Yeah, uh, Rainbow, yeah. Rainbow, yeah. And, and yeah. it's actually not that far from me. It's about 40, 45 minutes or so from me. It's not that bad. I, I should go visit. Right, okay. <laughs> okay I got quite good at skiing when I was there for a bit. Because we were there for about three or four months. Actually, right over winter time. So it was... Uh, it was great. We had a good, good time there. Yeah, well, it's it's a great place. It was a great studio. But you know, listen, it's twenty twenty one. Who needs a studio, right? You 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 just turn on your well, computer. You throw it into Pro Tools. Right? In fact, let me let me just ask you about that. The thing, you yeah. Know, we we all work, we all work particularly um, you know with these the uh, current uh, situation. I think everyone just sort of uh, works from home now. So it's. Uh, you know, it's just the way it's gone. Well, all right. So, you know, I'm just going to get started here. Talk to me about uh, about working on Down Braids Association. But just before that, how do you work when it comes to making new music? Do you just sort of launch up the Pro Tools and you send it here and then you send an MP3 over to the guy and he layers his vocals? like, Or do you still yeah, like to be in a room? that's pretty much how it works. I think that, um, you know, I mean, because Chris has been in uh, L.A. for the last 10 years, he's actually just moved back to the U.K., but... Um, that was pretty much the way that we've been doing all our albums. So, you know, going, you know, we're, this is the fourth album now, and then that's pretty much the way that we've done it from, you know, from the off. So, it's you know, you you fire some files over, and then uh, you know he fires them back, and that's how it, how it's kind of worked for us. Listen, it's working. So, so talk to me about putting together uh, DBA and 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 putting these albums together because I've listened to the music. And I love it. I mean, there, there, there's a there's a danceable kind of characteristic to it. It's it, it's fun. It's upbeat. Um, why did you decide to get involved in this? Because obviously, you could go back and you could do some yes stuff or some Asia stuff. Or you could even bring back, uh, you know, video killed a radio. You, you you have all these other things. What was interesting to you about creating a new band and a new outfit and a new musical vision? Well, I think that it's always um, you know when you when I've been working on, on Yes or, or Asia or whatever, uh, you know, in the bottles, there's a brief there, you know, that you kind of, uh, you're not restricted to, but, you know, it's, uh, you've got other musicians to take into account. So you're, you're, you're writing kind of moves it more towards, um, you know, the, the vehicles that you're actually uh, creating for. But I, I think with... Um, when I met Chris, and I'm going back now about ten years or so, uh, he was he was involved with a, a band with Trevor Horn called the uh, the Producers, and 
um, I met him through that, and and he said, look, you know, I'd love to do some writing with you one day. And uh, so we got stuck in the following year, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of been something that we've we've done as a as, as a guilty pleasure. I think it's it's something that it's a nice release from you know the more kind of frontline stuff that I've been doing, and, and the same with Chris really because you know he was very much uh, uh, involved in. Uh, Frontline, uh, you know, writing for people like Beyonce and you know Christina Aguilera and Sia and all those kind of people. So, you know, for both of us, I think it was it's been a nice release to to do something that you know we're not sort of constrained by anything uh, per se. We we just get on and throw ideas about and see what we come up with. Well, let me ask you about that, because he, he has written, of course, like you said, for uh, Beyonce, Sia, Lana Del Rey, and, and David Guetta. Uh, in fact, I just interviewed David Guetta's uh, guitarist the other day. Um, but you've also had a winning formula in writing songs, whether it's the Asia stuff, whether it's Video Killed a Radio Star. Has, has the, the way you write a hit song or the way you construct a song changed in 40 years? I mean, is Chris bringing ideas to you and you go, oh, I never thought of that? Or is he looking to you and going, "Oh, wow, that's that's very old school." I love. How, how does that work? Well, it's, it's interesting, really. You should say that because it's very much a case of, uh, you know, I've I've not really changed much the way that I write with people. I've always I do like a one-on-one writing partnership, but I, you know, I've been fortunate that I've had that with uh, Trevor Horn and the Buggles, and with John Wetton and Asia, um, you know, with Steve and Chris Squire and. And yes, so I've I've had that ability to be able to work on a one-on-one. You know, I've even done albums with with uh, Glenn Hughes and and uh, uh, Greg Lake. You know, so I've I always enjoyed that one-on-one writing relationship. And, and so, you know, in terms of the the methods relating to how I work with Chris, it's really quite similar. You know, I think you really want the other person to like what you present. You know, and, and then I think. You know, if, if you get a, if, if it ticks the right boxes with them, then you kind of get on with it and, uh, you know, continue with the creative process and see what you come up with. Well, it, it, it's, 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 it's sounding great. So, uh, and I'll, okay. I'll just, I'll just re- re- reiterate this one last time. And, but for you, whether it's video, whether it's heat of the moment or whether it's your heart will find a way, you approach it the same. You, you haven't changed. It's, you just write whatever think is best, and that's that's how it sort of goes. I think so. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know you you can't really decide what you come up with. You know, I think that some people you know maybe a bit more straightforward, disciplined. You know, uh, in the way that they work. But uh, you know, as I say, I've always had that great relationship with with people that I've worked with, and uh, you know, with Chris, it's it's really much the same. That you know, it, it's. I, I give him a, a, a basic idea. It's a similar way that I used to work with John Wetton is that, you know, I'd say, look, you know, I've got this verse idea or I've got this chorus idea. Uh, and then you kind of combine your your ideas together and that's how the song comes about. So it's, it's um, I mean, it sounds simple in many ways, but at the other, by the other token, you've got to have a confidence in the person you're working with. And, and uh, you know, and as I say, you really want to please them so that when you come up with something, you you know you feel well. You know this is this has really been worthwhile, and I'm really happy with the way it's turned out. 
so then for you, what makes a good song? Because I, I, I tell you, listen, back in the day, I heard video on, on the radio, the car radio, my mom's old Volkswagen, whatever it was, Rabbit, <laughs> I think it was called. Yeah. And a- automatically, I was attracted to it, and I still love it 40 years later. And you hear Heat of the Moment, and 40 years later, you still love Heat in the Moment. And I heard uh, first Skyscraper Souls from, from DBA, and I went, yeah. man, this is fun. You know, and then here we are a couple of years later, and I heard Your Heart Will Find Out, and I heard, um, oh, what was the other one, the the slower song? Uh, anyway, but I, I heard them, and I went, wow, this is fun. Love, like, among, love among the Ruins? Was that's that right, it? Yeah. yeah, Love Among the Ruins, that's it. And I heard yeah. those first two, because, you know, they, it's up on your uh, YouTube channel. And I went, yeah, I like this. This is, so... Well, I think it's all down to the construction, and, and uh, you know, the thing is that I, I think you can't go wrong if you have you know, a strong melody. And I think that's the thing that, you know, you, you know I can sit down at a piano or, or keyboard or whatever, and, you know, I, I I can amass loads of ideas. But, you know, I think the thing that really sticks out for me is if if you think, well, you know, that melody really works, you know, that's got some, that's got some potential. And so what I try and do is, you know, I try and strip out anything that doesn't give me you know, give me any kind of goosebumps. But if I get a melody that I think, well, that's, you know, that's going somewhere, then I'll try and, uh, you know, uh, encapsulate that and, and, and bring it forward towards, you know, the person that I'm writing with. So how do you get songs to the audience now? Because you, for me, and I'm speaking only for me, I heard Your Heart Will Find A Way and I thought this is a great song. This this is as good to me as the stuff you've done in the past, and yet you know, heat of the moment all over MTV, all over radio, FM, AM, video. You know, say, how do you get this in this day and age to find that audience and have somebody like me discover it? Who you know, if it wasn't for the interview, I might have missed it. And here we are, and I listen. And I went, man, I'm so glad. I, in fact, I went to Cherry Red Records, and I'm and I, I'm going to order it. I'm, I'm going to buy it. I want That's a physical crazy, copy. Okay. You, I would have sent you one, but there you go. That's, that's great. That's another sale. That's, yep. that's good for us. I well, mean, as many people as we can reach, obviously. But I, I think that, you know, a, a lot of people think, well, you know, um, it, it's, it's easy to write a song, you know, or, you know, in hindsight, I look back at the stuff that I've written that's been, you know, commercially very successful. Like you mentioned, you know, at the moment, I mean, Time Will Tell, uh, Video Kill the Radio Star. Those are the kind of songs that, um, you know, have really managed to keep me in a career, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But at the same time, I think that um, you know, you you've got to be you've got to be driven by your heart. You know, you've got to think, well, you know, that's that's a great song, or that's you know, I think that's a good idea. I'd like to get that to you know to people out there who can actually get off on it and appreciate it for what it is. But you know, I mean, I think with with, uh, with Chris and my project, we're not, you know, we're not sort of governed by thinking, all oh, right, you know, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be the next, you know, every breath you take, or you know, you know what I mean? It, it's it's um, it's a very subjective argument that you could say, well, you know, there is no there is no formula, you know, and sometimes things will grab people, sometimes they won't, but you know, I think that you've got to have a confidence and self belief that you've got to keep keep going and, and and hopefully you know there will be a, you know appreciation but i would say you know we, we don't make any you know we don't have any wild expectations or aspirations that 
you know, it's going to things are going to set the world on fire. But if we've if we've got you know a, a good following and we've got people that appreciate it, I think that's all. You know, that, that's I'm happy with that situation because you know some some songs will will have more impact than others. So okay, then then how important then is the commercial success of it in the sense that when you're constructing the song, do you think this is going to be perfect for whatever, and I don't know what's in England, BBC One, or B, do, do you look at that and say, this is going to be perfect for BBC One, or, or do you just say, hey, we made a song, I'm happy with it, we'll head out and we'll play some live shows when, when we're allowed, and that's it, or do you get disappointed that it's not a top 10 UK singles? Like, how important is the whole commercial aspect of this? Well, I think, you know, you have, you have to wear, wear two hats in this game, because uh, you know, you can't you can't just sort of put out music that uh, you know is is effectively going to you know not be heard by anybody. You know, there's there's that uh, you know promotion, uh, you know, spreading the word are all important things. But I think that you know, and and you know, you can't you can't have a career without any kind of financial support. You know, I think that's that's. Uh, Given in any in any uh, field of of work or whatever, you know, I think that you know, if you're an actor, you've got to be visible, you know. And I think that uh, that visibility these days is obviously much more aligned to uh, you know the internet, you know, YouTube, you know, all of that kind of thing, uh, rather than the old days where you know radio ruled the roost and. Um, you know, if you didn't get it played on the radio, no one was ever going to hear it. I think now it's it's much more widespread. So, you know, the fact that it wasn't, if it's not on Radio One or Radio Two, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not you're not reaching people because you have all those other mediums that you can, uh, you know, you can translate your music through. And I think that, you know, in many ways, I think that's a good thing because. I don't think it, it it doesn't limit you anymore because that I think that the days of people would make a, a record or whatever you know make a you know single or an album or whatever and you know if it wasn't picked up on by say you know the the, the frontline radio stations then you know it would probably you know disappear into the ether but you know having said that I think that now. People have got a much wider choice. People have got much different ways of listening to music. Uh, so, you know, I, th- I think that that is a good thing because it becomes much more widespread. Yeah, it really does. So, all right, let me ask you this. Uh, you had legendary painter uh, Roger Dean do the artwork for this. Um, in 2021, how important is the visual aspect to presenting a record? Because I, I remember, as you do, going into the yeah. record store and you flip through and I bought records based on the cover sometimes not always I mean sometimes I went in and I wanted an Aerosmith record I bought the Aerosmith but sometimes you flip through and you go wow that looks cool I'm gonna but we yeah. don't really have that anymore as you're flipping through Spotify or Apple Music you just go oh I know Jeff I'm gonna go listen to what you know uh, but yet you had Roger so how important is that visual aspect still well, I still think that it's got relevance, and, and and you know, if you think about when we we did go in those record stores and we picked up that, you know, that nice big fat piece of vinyl um, with a good, beautiful cover and the gatefold and all the rest of it and the, the the wonderful artwork and all the 
you know, all, all the stuff in the middle of it, you know, opening up and finding out, uh, you know, all the lyrics and everything like that, and multiple photos. You know, it was, it was really, you know, the, those old vinyl albums were really a, a real package within themselves. And I think that, you know, we lost a lot of that when, when it got condensed down to a CD, which is, you know, basically a little bit of paper in a, in a, in a plastic container. You know, I think that... Um, that that for some time was really lost, but I think now that um, you know people are thinking more about you know the presentation of it, uh, vinyl you know is having some kind of a resurgence because I think people still like that you know the ceremonial thing of opening that big package and looking at that artwork and and you know putting the the, the vinyl on the turntable and dropping the needle on the you know, Silas on on the record and hearing that little bit of crackle as it starts to kick off. You know, I think I think that you know that's still got some merit, and I think that we felt that you know having you know a sleeve that was you know you know pretty uh, pretty standout, and I think that you know with with getting someone like Roger because I've got a long standing relationship with Roger, obviously going back to. Uh, 40 odd years to the drama album with Yes, so that's when I first met Roger. And uh, I, I think it's nice to have the, the, the imagery of the music, you know, shown in that way. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, we asked Roger if he'd do the sleeve and he, was, he went through this whole process of uh, painting it online and, uh, you know, doing, doing it that way. And I think that uh, it's, it's really nice for people to have it as. Um, you know, something to, it's like a little piece of art that they've got in their home, you know, rather than it being, as I said, a, you know, a little bit of paper inside a, a plastic container. Listen, uh, to, to me, the art is important. And, and like I said, I, I did actually buy some albums based just on the artwork, just because it looked cool. Yeah. Um, so let well, me ask... Yeah, I mean, uh, if, sorry, I was going to say that, uh, you know, some of the iconic albums by, by artists... You know, like ELP with the Geiger uh, uh, painting, um, the, the original King Crimson album, you know, Court of the Crimson King. Um, those albums, are, you know, the, the, the visual aspect of it is quite incredible. And I think that, you know, that's something that uh, I, I, I wouldn't like to see that go because, as you say, you know, you can shuffle through stuff on Spotify or whatever, and it, it's not really the same as actually having that. Uh, item in your hands. <laughs> I, I agree, and I, I'm probably going to reveal my age in this, but to me it doesn't exist if it's not on CD. Now, I know people love vinyl and stuff, but the, the whole MP3 thing, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm staring at, at a stack of UFO albums right next to me, UFO box, and I like yeah. that. I like that mess. I like the, 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 the little tower of CD. I, I, I mean, I like that. Um uh, and I'm, I just want to go back here to, to video for a second, not to ask you about the song, but it was sort of prophetic in the way that video killed a radio star and then MTV came and, you know, AM radio sort of reorganized towards talk and FM radio becomes became something different. Yeah. What do you see now in 2021? Because there is some good. Listen, there is some good in Spotify and those because you can have, a, you do have access to every song in the world, but there is some negative too. What do you think has sort of changed in the music industry in 2021 for the better? 
And what are sort of we missing out on? And, and you know, the artwork is one thing I think we're missing out on and physically owning something that, you know, when, when I grow out of it, I can give to my brother or I can pass down to the kids or because you, you can't pass down in the MP3 collection. Um, no, I, I know. I know because it's basically noughts and ones, you know, it's just a digital right. uh, representation. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult argument, really, because, you know, I'm sure that, um, you know, the, the, the uh, people, youngsters in the 60s and 50s and 60s, were, you know, they they wanted their generation and they moved on and, and I'm sure that the you know, the people of the older generation then were like, you know, what is this new stuff? You know, it's it's uh, I can't deal with all that, you know, I wanna go back to the thirties and forties, you know. Um so uh, you know, you have to I think you have to accept change and I think you have to uh you know, I, I wouldn't want to deprive today's generation of what they get off on, you know, um musically or whatever. But obviously, I think it's much more, certainly since my generation of, say, you know, I'm sort of 70s and 80s, really. Um, so, you know, I've, I feel blessed that I had that great generation where, you know, there were all those wonderful bands and all those wonderful songs that were around. You know, you look at the, the charts in those days and, you know, every, every every song was virtually a memorable song, you know. And I think that uh, that's something that I do miss, you know, in more recent times is that, you don't really get that, you know, things come and go very quickly. There's almost a very sort of fast conveyor belt of, of, uh, of stuff. So I, I can't really see that um, changing back to where it was. You know, I don't think that um, that that's, you know, the, the new generation uh, are going to get off on, you know, a lot of different things, I think, because, you know, music has accumulated. It's not, you know, there's, not, there's another... There's another 30, 40 years of music since I was around or since that was my generation. So, you know, you've got this massive accumulation of stuff that uh, will probably just keep keep going on and on. But, um, you know, having said that, I think, you know, if you walk around a shopping mall, you, you, you're more likely to hear, you know, an Eagles song than you are to hear a, a Jennifer Lopez song. You know, I mean, it, it's almost like that era was ingrained into people. Um, you know, it's almost buried into their psyche. And even young people, I think, you know, know those songs uh, because, you know, so, so take a song like Video Kill the Radio Star, for instance. You know, young people know that song, you know, for whatever reason. It's it's almost like it's been around for so long that, um, you know, they will have heard it at some point, you know, even today, you know, like you said, it, it, it it kind of goes on and on. So um, where it's going to go is a very good question. I, I think that it's much more widespread now, you know, because of the the internet and uh, all the all the different types of audio visual things that people get off on, like you know, gaming and you know all that kind of thing. It, it's it, it's just that the audio isn't isn't the big all important thing that it used to be, and and. Uh, I, I, I think it's just changed, you know, I think that technology uh, has, has changed the way people, uh, you know, access music and uh, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. But I I, I just think that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be the guy to stand up like, like my old grandfather was and say, this is a load of rubbish, this Beatles stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, yeah. my you know what? Uh, on that. 
I got to say, I, I've never understood that music. I have these discussions with people that are in my age group, you know, over 45, and they go, oh, today's music is horrible. I go, well, no, it's not. Maybe I don't want to listen to it, but my daughter certainly loves it, and in 50 years or in 20 years, it'll have the same, you know. But you're right yeah, about... Be another, there'll be another generation that will go off, go off another... Um, yes, and, and it's the way it should be. Because yeah, th- think because about it. Yeah. We, we would have grown up all, all forced to love Elvis. We all would have been forced to love the Beatles. Now, I love the Beatles, but, yeah. you know, I also love my Aerosmith and my Cheap Trick and my, and my, and my video killed, you know. You yeah, know. and, you know, you, you can't really put a wall up on, the, on this generation. I mean, they're, they're, you know, when you think about it, it's been a very, very tough time for this generation of, uh, of young people. You know, they haven't had the... You know, with, with with the pandemic and you know the fact that many of them are, are having to do things very differently from the way that we uh, could you know do things. You know, um, we could go out and you know go to parties and have girls there, there and everywhere, and you know just have just basically the gloves were off. You just had a good time, you know. Um, and I think that you know this last year or so where these restrictions have been in place. It's it's almost kind of robbed, you know, this generation of of, uh, of the things that we we really took for granted. So, you know, whatever they get off on, I think that you know it's only going to be good for them because uh, you know music's a great music's a great lever. It, it pulls people together. It uh, it uh, keeps the world ticking over. No, absolutely. And uh, I'll finish on one last question, but I'll just I'll just quickly answer that. Uh, you know, the lockdown stuff is terrible, but. We, we, we've all been through terrible, whether, you, whether it was the, the Second World War or Vietnam or whatever happened or, yeah. you know, it, it eventually will lead to innovation. You know, the folks that are sitting at home, we're seeing live stream concerts coming out. Now, it's kind of clunky and it doesn't always work. But, you know, 10 years down the road, it'll probably be an industry standard. The, oh, yeah, you know, it, it will. It will. It's, um, it's bound to. You know, I think that uh, necessity is the mother of invention and... Um, I think that with the situation as it is, people will find different ways of doing it. Like you say, it is kind of clunky. You know, you see the because the uh, audio, you know, audio is an easy thing to trans transmit, but you know, vid- visuals take much more memory. You know, they require a lot more sophistication, and you know, to, to sit at home with your, you know, on your on your Zoom or whatever. You know, and it's almost sort of jumping here, there, depending on your your domestic Wi-Fi connection or whatever. You know, it's it's not the perfect uh, medium to to view stuff. But yeah, I think that um, you know the streaming thing will improve. I think that uh, you know live it's it's got to happen. Um, people have got to you know find a way of getting out there and getting their music out to people and getting their uh, visual stuff out out to people. Uh, hopefully. You know, live music will you know make some kind of return uh, at some point, but it, it's it's been tough. You know, for a lot of musicians, certainly something that uh, I, you know, I'd never had to contend with. Um, you know, you just got up and you 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 got your your musical instrument, you went out and played. You know, and I think that um, it's been very tough for particularly the arts uh, actors. Um, people in theaters. I mean, I don't know how the situation is in Canada, but um, it's, oh, been it's very, the same. Very... Everything's closed. And I, I got to yeah. say, as a musician, you're lucky because you can do, a, you have the option to do a live stream. Yeah. You have the, 
if you're the guy on Broadway and you're in whatever the Lion King and there's no Lion King, well, well you can't do Lion King on. You, you, <laughs> I know. Or if you're 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 an actor or an actress and you've you've trained for that role and the, and the shows were about to just open, you know, and then all of a sudden the curtain comes down on you and there's, you know there's nothing for months and months, um, even years, you know. Um, that's got to be very very tough because. You know, the training that you have to do, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, every musician, I mean, I have, I have classical training, so, you know, I, I did do that, I went that route, but, you know, a lot of musicians I know are self-taught, you know, they rely on on, on performing live as, as a, you know, they've not had uh, any great commercial success or any royalties that they can rely on or anything like that, so they're totally dependent on going out there, and like you say, you know those guys that play in the, you know their livelihood is playing in the orchestral pit in the, you know the Wilton Theatre or wherever it is in in New York City, and you know Broadway's completely closed. Um, that's, it, you know, and they they've got to think about how they're going to stay alive. You know, it's it's a very 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 hard. It, it's role awful, for them. and and when it does come back. I, I don't know anybody who can just sort of sit at home for two years. So they're probably going to be working in some other thing. They're ha- they're going to essentially have a new life. Do they leave the new life? Do they? And of course, you you have to keep training. So you can't just come out yeah. off the road and and think you're going to be in the Lion King. So it's going to be. But uh, I'll finish with the uh, the yeah. album. And the other thing is, you know, I think I think also, you know, you can go to virtually every you know form of entertainment. You know, if you look at a sportsman, for instance, you know who you know, was training for the Olympics, you know, and, you know, they can't go out their front door or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it, it's tough that, you know, someone that's reliant on thinking that, you know, they're going to be a, you know, an ice skating champ or something like that, or an Olympic medalist and something, you know, and they're not being tested, they're not being able to train with people or, or have someone push them, you know, I mean, that's part of the, the whole thing about, uh, going out there and being in the public eye and creating stuff, you know, you you have to really be pushed. You know, you have to push yourself. And I think that if you're not in that position, like you know, we're talking about actors and actresses or musicians, uh, you know, who are working, um, you know, on Broadway or any theatre in the world at the moment, and you think that well, you know, they're not they're not able to push themselves because it's all very well sitting at home and doing the theory, but there's nothing like actually, you know, being put on that stage and having to deliver. And, you know, that is the thing that I think is the fundamental thing that's going to be missing from a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people. No, I fully agree. And I'll finish on this. Uh, Halcyon Hymns, of course, is out now. Uh, it does have Mark Allman of uh, Soft Cell on there. And I, I actually tried to set up an interview with him the other day, and, and the publicist said, oh, we don't handle him anymore. And I was like, oh, damn it. Oh, okay. So tell him, tell him to call me. But um, yeah. just what does it mean to have uh, Mark on there? Because he, he's got such a distinctive voice. And, and when you hear their cover of of the song, you know, Tainted Love, uh, he, he, everybody thinks it's a Soft Cell song because he sold it so good at his as his song with his voice and his conviction the, the yeah, guy, he's, I mean, he's great. He's, he's just great. And the, the thing is that Chris, uh, Chris Plate has done uh, his two pre- produced and wrote, written with him on his two previous albums. So they've got a good uh, relationship there. And then, you know, having him sing with Chris, they had this sort of, uh, this unique blend together. And, uh, 
you know, it, it's great to hear that. You know, I think that, um, you know, again, it's having this understanding between two people that where, you know, their voices really work great together. And, uh, you know, I think we're, uh, we're very fortunate to have him on the album. I think, we're, you know, we're fortunate to to be able to carry on and make albums and, uh, you know, have them released and, you know, stretch it out to people like yourself who, uh, you know, will obviously uh, get enjoyment from it. I will. And uh, I, I will just say, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. And I, I'll just quickly end on uh, your music has meant a lot to me over the years. And I, I just remember drive, having my mom drive me around video killed the radio star. And that's just, well, it just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't get erased and it, it, it's just stuck there. And it's, uh, you know, thank you because you, 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 you affected me, even if it's in a small way, you did. So thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Cheers now. All right, Mitch. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Thanks for the call. Cheers. Bye-bye Bye. now.